Amen. Appreciate that message, Brother Hayden. And song, if you will, take your Bible and turn to 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2. All right, Wesley, come here a second. Give me a hand. Yeah, come here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Why don't you give these to each one of our seniors? We have a little token we want to give to them. Uh, it's become a tradition, which I need to do away with. But it's become a tradition where I give them some sort of object. Today we've given them, we're giving them a, a globe, a world. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to preach on this, this world thing. Uh, it, I think originally, Hayden, it was supposed to be like for a charm, for a necklace, or for a, uh, a bracelet or something. But I put a keychain on it for you. Okay, buddy? All right. <laughs> but... Today we're going to preach on this, this thought of 1 John, in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we'll start in verse number 12. Um, I always pray about what to, to preach, and I really wanted to preach a, um, just a charge, an inspiration. And, you know, um, all these, mean, these, these seniors mean so much to me, related to one of them. She's, she's blood, and so it means a whole lot to me, and I appreciate, appreciate them all. But um, I do think a lot about, about faith and um, the things that she's gone through and how, how the Lord has just, she's been here, like she said, since she was a baby. And, and I thought about uh, her desire for missions, and I wanted to preach on that, that subject and the world and all, but I kept coming back to this verse, and I just could not get away from it. 1 John 2.17, it says, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And that verse is just stuck in my mind. I can't. I, I couldn't get it out. And 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 I've seen so many seniors that have graduated and come through. And 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 people will say, you know, you're going to get this. Well, what what do I do now? Or people going to ask you, what are you going to do now? And and you know, if you ask people, what do I do now? You get a hundred different opinions of what you ought to do. You know, you ought to do this. You ought to go to this school. You ought to go there. You ought to do this. Um, but. What should we do? You know, what is it that matters? I've, I've seen so many people, so many young people that come through and, and, and they live wasted lives. I mean, that's just, you know, the first 15, 20 years after high school, they do whatever they want to do with their life and they feel like they're fulfilling their plan and their purpose and all these things. And, and it's just wasted. I mean, it doesn't last. It doesn't mean anything. They might party. They might have a good time. They might feel like they've done this or that. But it's just, there's nothing to it. It just it passes away. So tonight, uh, with the Lord's help, I want to preach on this subject of, of doing that which lasts forever, or worldliness versus the will of God. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. Let's all stand. We'll, we'll stand right quick since you've been sitting a little while. We'll read verses 12 through 17. Look at verse 12. It says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young man, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Look at verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And here's our key verse. Now let's all read it together. Would you read it with me? Verse 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. 
but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's pray. Lord, we, we love you. Uh, Lord, we thank you for these seniors. God, we've been touched by their testimonies. Uh, Lord, we've been touched by Brother Vinny's giving out of these Bibles and the verses. Uh, Lord, we've been touched by their pictures, God. I mean, just seeing what these, some of these young people have gone through and, and, and just, Lord, it's been inspired me, God. We thank you for them, for their faithfulness. Uh, but Lord, we come to this time in our, our service, Lord, we're going we're gonna to seek your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help these young people, help these, these, these young ladies and this young man, Lord, as they venture into this part of their life, Lord, I pray that they would seek to do your will above all else. Uh, Lord, I know that this message has touched my heart, God, it's helped me, and Lord, I know there are many people in here that struggle with this idea of the world and the wor- uh, will of God, and Lord, I pray that you'd just speak to all of our hearts tonight. Lord, may your word become real to us. And Lord, may it help us, may it change our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So now we're going to talk about this subject, the the worldliness versus the will of God. Look at verse number 15. It says, love not the world. So in this verse, we're being told to love not the world. Now, what does it mean by world? So you got your little globe there, right? You got your little globe. Everybody got their globe? Okay, good. All right. So what do we mean when it says world? Well, there's three different things the Bible talks about when it says world. There's a physical world. That's what we see, right? It's what we're standing on. It's the physical world. And so is God saying to love not the physical world? No, He's not saying that. Uh, he, he created it. He created all things in the beginning, Genesis 1-1, right? And He said about it, it was very good. And, and so uh, we, we ought to not, it's not saying to hate or to not love, love not the world, the physical world, um, now, that doesn't mean that we need to be tree huggers here. We're not trying to preach that, all right? Uh, I know how this world is going to end one day. God told me in His Word it's not by climate change, okay? Let me just get that off my chest. Anyway, uh, so there's the, there's the physical world, the, 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 the earth that we stand on. He's not talking about that. And you find that throughout the Bible. Um, there's the people of the world. There's mankind that, that God talks about. Uh, and he, he talks about that in, in different places, but in... in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the, what does it say? World. And what is he talking about there? He's talking about people of the world. And we're definitely not to hate or not love the people of the world, right? God actually tells us to love them. Uh, we, ought to, we ought to give our lives for them the way that Jesus did. And so the, the, the loving not the world is not talking about people, alright? So you can't use that as an excuse to not like people. Um, but what is it talking about? It's talking about the world system. It's talking about the system that is opposed to God. Look at verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world, these things that it lists there, it says that the, the, the it, 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 look at it, it says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in for all that is in the world. The lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It says it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And so it's talking about this world system, this system that the devil has against God that opposes him. Look at 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. Turn over there. What, is, what, about, what do we know about this world, this system that it's talking about there? It says that, and we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So this, this system, this, this world, this, uh, this philosophy, this, this, this system that's set up against God, it says in the Bible, in verse number 15, it says, Love not the world. And then in verse 17, it says the world, that system, it's going to pass away. But in opposed to that, there is the will of God that abides forever. Worldliness and the will of God. Listen, worldliness and the will of God cannot coexist. Those things are opposites of one another. They cannot uh, coexist. If you want to know and do the will of God, you can't have worldliness. Those things separate. They're, they're opposed to one another. Philippians chapter 3, if you want to 
look at that sometime. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says that our conversation, our citizenship is what it's saying there, is not of this world. We are, we are citizens of heaven, the Bible says. And we, we should not be part of this world system. We shouldn't be worldly. If we're worldly, we won't be doing the will of God. These things are polar opposites of one another. Uh, and it doesn't just happen uh, all of a sudden. It's not like we're, we're at camp one day, we're serving the Lord, and next thing you know, we're worldly. It happens gradually. You see it throughout the Bible. In James chapter 4, verse 4, it says that you can become, a Christian can become the friend of the world. That's sort of the way it starts, right? We sort of get friendly with it. Uh, we, we start looking at it like it's not that bad. And, and so we're, we can become the friend of the world. In James chapter 1, verse 20, it, it digresses, and it says that you can become spotted by the world. Hey, let me tell you what's going to happen. When you start becoming a friend of the world, you're going to get spotted by it. That's going to happen. Hey, it's going to have some blemishes on you. It's going to have some marks on you. You're going to start to, to being part of that world system and, 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 and looking at it saying it's not that bad. And so you can become spotted by the world. Uh, then in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says you can, a Christian can become conformed to the world. Hey, you know what happens when, when you, oh, you're a friend of it and then you start to take a little bit of, of action in it and you start getting spotted by it and next thing you know, you can't tell that Christian apart from the world. They're conformed. They're the same thing. They look just alike and act just alike. But you know what happens to that? Digressing here, you're a friend, you're spotted, uh, you're conformed. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32, it says that you can become condemned with the world. Hey, listen, that's the progression, that, that's the digression that happens. It's not talking about loss of your sonship, but it's talking about loss of your usefulness. You know what happens when that Christian that, that, that becomes a friend of the world and then gets spotted by the world, then becomes conformed to the world? They lose all testimony. They lose all usefulness for God because they have, they have become condemned to the world. There's no difference. There's no difference. And so we see here uh, that... In, in verse number 17 of 1 John chapter 2, back there, it gives us the opposition here. It gives us the contrast. And it, it says that we are not, we're to do God's will. We're to stay away from worldliness. And if we're going to do that, it gives us three things here that will help us to stay away from worldliness and to do God's will with our lives. All right, three things. Number one, be working, always be working on our development. Always be working on our development. Look at back at verse 12. and it, it talks about this progression. You see this, this maturity here, this development. Uh, if we're going to stay away from worldliness, we're going to stay away from worldliness, we're going to follow the will of God with our lives, we must continually be growing as a Christian. We looked at it this morning in, in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That word is talking about continually growing. So we ought to be growing in the grace of God. Listen, if you're going to stay away from worldliness, you need to keep growing in your Christian life. Don't ever stop. Uh, keep reading that Bible. That Bible that, that Brother Vinny gave you is more than just a book. It's something that we ought to live our lives by. And we ought to continue to grow. Uh, uh, Warren Wearsby said this. He just passed away this last week. He said, it is the growing, maturing Christian to whom the world does not appeal. You know what will keep us away from the world is when we continue to grow in our Christian faith. Hey, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 13, verse 11, it says that when I became a man, when I continued to grow, I put away childish things. There are so many Christians today that live for childish things worldly things that mean more to them than it does spiritual things. And that is what the Bible is talking about. When you continue to grow, when you become a man, when you grow as a Christian, 
uh, you will put away those childish things. The world has no meaning to you. It has no grasp on you because all you care about is serving the Lord with your life and His will for your life. Uh, look at a couple of ways in this, these verses how we're growing. Look at verse number 12. It says, I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for His name's sake. Uh, this word little children here, it literally means born ones. And, and that's where it all starts. It's, it's saying, hey, I write unto you because you are born. You are born into the family of God. Uh, John 1.12 says that, that, that if you believe, you're born into the family. Hey, John 3.3 3 says, except you be born again, uh, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. This is where it all starts. Look, if you're going to grow as a Christian, it must start with this being a born one. Born into the family of God. Uh, I'm glad to hear some of y'all gave your testimony up here, and I appreciated y'all doing that. But uh, listen, you need to examine yourself, make sure that you know that you know that you know that you're born again. Hey, everybody in this room, you need to examine yourself. You know why I I honestly believe this? You know why I think we have so many worldly Christians? I think there's a lot of them that aren't Christians. They've never been born into the family of God. And they would rather be like the world because they are part of the world. But let me tell you something. When you get born again, you have a new nature inside of you. You no longer have to be part of this world. You aren't part of this world. Your conversation is in heaven. And that's what we should live for. So the, the first thing if, if in this growth is that you need to be born again. Hey, Cameron, Hayden, Faith, make sure that you know. Make sure that you know. I'm not going to assume it. I'm not going to pretend to know your heart. Uh, but I, 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 I think I know all of your testimony. I appreciate it about you. But know that you're born again. Uh, notice the next thing here. So it talks, uh, this, this progression, you're growing. Look at verse number 13. We see this word little children again. But this is a different uh, one. Verse, chapter 13, look at the end of the verse. We'll, we'll work backwards in this verse. He says, I write unto you little children because you have known the Father. This is a different one. This is a different word. It, it actually means immature ones. It's, it's somebody that's still under the authority of teachers and tutors. And it carries the idea of one that's not quite grown. And, and what does it say about them? So we're growing. We're born into the family. That's all of us, all Christians of all time, uh, all ages, all, all uh, maturity levels. But what, it, what happens? The first thing you see is you see the little children, those that are under the authority. These are immature people. Look at verse number 17, or verse 13. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. This, this, this is where it is. All they know, these, these are young Christians, all they know is that God loves them, He's their Father, and He saved them, and they're excited about it. Isn't that wonderful? Hey, you know, they, 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 they know God loves them, they're excited, they, they, they know Him, and, and they're, 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 they're emotional about it, they have feelings about it, and that's wonderful, and that's where we need to be. And Hey, we need to grow in that. Maybe some of you, that's where you're at. Maybe that's your state right now. Man, you don't know much about the Bible. You don't know anything besides this. I know God saved me. Uh, he forgave me, forgiven me of my sins, and man, that excites me. I'm excited about that. And, and man, that's where the, some Christians are. They're, they're in that place where they, they, they're emotional, and they're excited and they have that feeling. But should we stay there? The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.14, it says that, that to be no more children, to toss to and fro. You know what happens when all we do is that's all we care about. We got saved, and man, that's good enough for me, but we don't, we don't ever grow in the Word of God. That's when these false teachings, these false people come in. That's when the world comes in, and you start to get spotted by it. We need to continue to grow. Uh, Hebrews chapter 5 uh, talks about this. It says that when you should have been teachers, you know, this frustrates me. Some of these teenagers, they ought to be growing and, and being teachers. And it says, when you should have been teachers, you got one that should come and feed you milk again. Hey, we need to start growing. And so we ought to grow. Uh, and it goes from being a, a little child. Look at the, the second thing here. So we go from being little children. Look at verse number 13. Look at the middle of it. It says, I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Look back down in verse 14, halfway down. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God 
abideth in you. So it goes, we're all part of the born ones. Then you have the little children, these immature ones, uh, that, that, that know God, but that's all they know, and they, they, they're just excited about it, and that's wonderful. And we shouldn't look down on them. Let me just say that right quick. We shouldn't look down on them. You know, I, I, some of us, we, we, oh, they, just, they, don't, they don't understand yet. They'll, they'll get it. You know, they'll settle down eventually. Well, man, we shouldn't wish that on them. We don't want them being dead and cold like you. We want them to be excited about what God has for them, right? Hey, some of you need to get a little bit of that little child back in you, don't you? Uh, I know sometimes I long for that, those days when I had that, that heart the way that I should, don't you? you know, so don't, don't criticize them. Don't look down on them. But we shouldn't stay that way. We should grow and mature. And so the next thing is these young men. They've matured past just that emotion of being saved. And now they know, hey, I'm saved for a purpose. I have a reason for being here. There's something God has for me. And notice what he says about him. He says, I write in you, young man, because you have overcome the wicked one. They start getting victory over sin in their life. This world no longer has victory over them. They have victory over the world because, uh, look at what it says. It says in the ver- verse 14, because you are strong. They're strong in their faith. They're strong in, in, in their believing. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, Be ye strong in the Lord. If I can tell you one thing, be strong in the Lord. Hey, it, it, uh, Paul was telling Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, he said, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Hey, you, you need to be strong. And how do you do that? Look at verse 14. It says, You're strong, and the word of God abideth in you. Hey, they, these people, they've, they've, they're overcoming the wicked when they're having victory because they have a strong faith that's based upon the Word of God. It's not about emotion. It's not about religion. It's not about uh, all these other things. It's about being based upon a strong faith based upon the Word of God. Hey, that's where you need to develop. Hey, keep, keep growing as a Christian. Get your faith strong in the Word of God. Hey, base it upon that and God will give you victory. The uh, these young men, these, these are the people that I'll be doing the work in the church today. Hey, they're the ones that, that are out there getting the victories. They're the ones that are out there overcoming the evil. They're the ones that are out there witnessing. They're the ones that are out there claiming new ground. We need some young men, some young ladies that will take that new ground. Now, look, this is not based on age we're talking about here. We're talking about spiritual maturity here. We need some, uh, some people in our church that will grow up. Stop being babies. You know, it's sad that we have a bunch of babies and, and, and what happens when you're baby and you're ba- everything's based on emotion, how I feel is, is I'm going to get my feelings hurt one day and I'm going to go over and cry in the corner and I'm not going to come to church for a month because this happened to me. And, and we got to get past all that and realize we got a job, we got, we got a commission, we got something we got to do with our lives. There's a purpose for us being here. It's not just about you being spoon-fed. It's not just about you having some good feeling. It's about growing and overcoming the evil. Hey, uh, what have you done for God? I mean, what ground are you taking for the Lord? We need some people that step up and take that new ground. And that's these young men, and they're doing it because of the, the Word of God that abideth in them. And then we see the fathers. Look at the verse 13. We're going up verse 13, so the very beginning of it. He says, I've written unto, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. You see the same thing in verse 14. I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. Kind of funny. Start off, what, what will we start off doing? Knowing God, that's all we know. But what do these fathers end up doing? Knowing God, knowing Him. That's really what it's all about. Now these, uh, these have a different knowledge of God now, don't they? They've gone through some ups and downs. They've gone through some rough spots. They've won some victories. They've lost a time or two, but they got back up. And now they're still loving God and they're still serving Him. And they know Him in an intimate way. They know Jesus. 
What's the point of this is, is that we need to keep working. We need to keep developing. Don't stop growing in the Lord. Hey, don't feel like you've learned all that you need to learn. Don't feel like you've gotten to a place where you can stop growing as a Christian. Hey, worldliness is like a disease. It's like a disease. And it, 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 it's like a sickness. What, what, what would you think if a baby just stopped growing? What are you thinking about? What's, what's wrong with that baby? There's something wrong, right? There's sickness there. It's not getting the nourishment it needs. And that's what happens with a Christian. The world starts to, it's like a disease. It brings in that sickness, and we need to keep growing as a Christian. So we need to, first of all, um, we need to uh, be working on our development. Number two, we need to be wary of our desires. Be wary of our desires. And here's where it really talks about this worldliness. Look at verse number 15. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Uh, worldliness is not about a certain action that you do. Not about a certain attire that you wear. Some people think that's what it is, you know. Not about a certain music you listen to. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about worldliness. You know what worldliness is? Worldliness is, it, it's an attitude. It's a heart. It, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's, this is the question. Do you love God? That's what it says there in verse number 15. It's, if you love not the world, neither things in the world. What does it say? If any man love the world, what? The love of the Father is not in him. This is what worldliness is. Worldliness is anything in your life that turns your affection away from God. Now that might be attire. That might be music. That might be this or that. I'm not going to be able to point all of them out. But anything in your life that turns your affection, your love away from God, that is worldliness. And what does the Bible say? Love not the world. Hey, this is the primary problem with worldliness. It's not, it's not all these side effects. and all. The primary problem with worldliness is it affects your love for God. Anything in your life that keeps you from loving God is worldliness, and we ought to turn away from it. Now, what does is, what is the Bible list here? The things that, that the devil uses uh, is in verse 16. It says, for all that is in the world. This is, this is the devil's scheme. This is the devil's system uh, of getting the Christian and bringing them into the world. Uh, what are they? It's the lust of the flesh. That's anything uh, that appeals to man's fallen nature. It's, it's anything that, that appeals to that base appetites in man. It's, it's those things that, that appeals to those natural appetites, but the, the, the devil wants you to uh, do those in forbidden ways. Uh, it, hey, it's, it's those, the, that lust of your flesh. Um, the, this is the way the devil's always worked. Back in Genesis chapter 3, you'll see uh, he came to Eve this way, didn't he? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, he says that, that, that she looked upon that tree, and the tree was good for food. Now, is there anything wrong with eating? Is there anything wrong with food? No, we're Baptists. We believe in that very much, amen? We're about to go do it here in a second. But what was it? It was a forbidden thing. God said not to do it, and the devil, the devil came to him and said to do it. Uh, so it's a forbidden thing. Um, it's, it's, it's natural to have thirst. It's not natural. It's not, it's not godly to drink alcohol. That's what the devil tries to do to us. You know, I, I think a lot of people, uh, they, they, they come and think that, that I, 
I'm worldly. The, the Christians say this, worldly, and they use it in a sophisticated kind of good way. It's like that's a good term. Well, I'm, I'm going to be worldly, and, and I, I, it's okay for me to, to have a little alcohol here or, or uh, drink with my, uh, with my, my meal and, and this kind of thing. But let me tell you something. That's the lust of the flesh, and the devil's going to pull you right into this world and this system if you're not careful. So we see the lust of the flesh. We see the lust of the eyes. Verse 16, now this is pleasure that gratifies the sight and the mind. It's, it's a little more sophisticated. It's, it's intellectual pleasure. It's not as base, but, it, but it, it, it's a pressure to, 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 um, to have what the world has. Look at verse number 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. It's a covetousness. It, it, it's, it's the things that draw your eye. Uh, it, it's like Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife? She was running out of, out of Sodom and Gomorrah, but her eyes turned back, and when she saw it, she was turning to a pillar of salt. It's what happened to Achan. Achan was there in Jericho, and, and the victory's happening, and, and he lusted after, uh, after gold and some apparel, and it drew him in. It's what happened to David. David was on that rooftop, and, and he saw another man's wife, and he coveted it, and, and the devil's going to pull you in with those things that you can see. It's a pressure to have what the world has. Let me just take a moment here, and so that's the reason it's so important for us to guard our eyes. Hey, it's so important. Uh, Job 31.1, he, he, he said that he made a covenant with his eyes. And why should he look upon a woman? Hey, uh, in Psalms 101, uh, verse, uh, 101 verse 3, uh, it, it, it says that I should not... Uh, let me look it up. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it marked. Look at Psalm 101 verse 3. It says, I will set no wicked thing... Before mine eyes. And so we, uh, we ought to be careful with this lust of the eyes. Um, we need to be careful with this covetousness, those things that will draw us away from God. Hey, it's not only that, but it's also our minds that the world thinks on, uh, works on. Pressure to think like the world thinks. If we talk about covetousness, this is about conforming. This is what the world wants you to think like it thinks. It wants you to, it wants you to be conformed to its thoughts. Uh, Psalms 1.1 talks about not walking, in the sea, uh, walking with the seed of the ungodly. Hey, uh, in, in Psalm 119, look at Psalm 119. I like this verse, talking about the eyes. Look at verse number 37. It says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in the way. This world is going to try and get you to look and think the way that it thinks. Uh, and that's not the will of God for your life. This happened to... To Eve, didn't it? Genesis 3, 6, it says that she looked upon that tree and it was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Hey, this world is going to try and draw you in with your eyes, the things that you see. And you notice the last thing it says in the pride of life, the pride of life. That's whatever it is that promotes pride in your life. Whatever it is that, that, that brings that, that pride, that, that uh, vainglory, it's, it's honors, it's titles, it's pedigree. Maybe, maybe it's fame, it's, it's desire for popularity, uh, this pride of life. This, that maybe it's the, the, the fashion of the world that draws you in. And listen, that's what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to draw you in and, and cause you to be like the world and be useless for God uh, doing His will. You know, sadly, this has even happened among preachers today, isn't it? That's what a lot of preachers are doing. They've they got this pride of life. It's all about their following. It's all about uh, their likes on Facebook. It's all about, uh, it's all about uh, their gathering or their crowd. And it's not become about helping and serving others and ministering to others. Uh, I, the pride of life. Genesis 3, we see it again. It says, in a tree to be desired to make one wise. 
So look at verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, or the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. These things will cause you to lose your joy. They'll cause you to lose your love for the Father. They'll cause you to lose your desire to do His will. Hey, you know what? Uh, your Bible study, your, your Bible reading will become, become difficult, become hard, become labored. Hey, you're praying, it, it, you, you'll feel like it's, it's useless, you won't be getting anything uh, going. Your, your Bible study and prayer will be boring. It'll be difficult to do God's will with your life. And why is this? What, what is causing this? What is it that's causing you, the coming between you and God? It's worldliness. It's worldliness. Why is that? Matthew tells us in chapter 6, verse 24, Jesus said, you cannot serve two masters. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to be friends with the world. Are y'all paying attention? You're trying to be friends with the world, hold hands with the, the world, and say that you still serve God. You cannot do it. And that's what a lot of our churches are trying to do today. They're trying to encourage you to do that. They're saying, it's okay. You know, you don't have to change. You don't have to do anything with your life. You can, you can hold hands with the world and still serve God. But the Bible here tells us that's not, that's not possible. It says, it is not of the Father, but it is of the world. Hey, he says, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you're sitting there holding hands with the world saying you're loving God, you're lying according to 1 John chapter 2. So, worldliness, you cannot serve two masters. So we talked about being wary of your desires. Last thing here, we're done. And this is the verse that just I could not get out of my heart. Be wise to our destiny. Be wise to your destiny. You know, the problem with worldliness is not only does it affect our love for God, but it affects our desire to do His will. Hey, these things cannot go together. You know, I was reading a book the other day, and it's talking about legacy. And, uh, you know, that's, that's something that people think about, like a legacy. What am I going to leave behind? You know, you're leaving Murray County High School. What am I going to leave? What will I be known for? And, and I was reading this book, and it said this, and I thought this was really a, a good thought. It says a legacy is not about dying, but it's about living. You don't, you don't just automatically have a legacy. You build a legacy, right? You, you don't leave a legacy. You build a legacy. That's something that all of us ought to take into account, right? Uh, you know, your, your funeral, uh, you're, not, you, you're preaching it now, right? You know, so you, you need to be working on that. But anyway, but it's something that you must build throughout your life. But that can even be vainglory, according to Paul. He said, you know, all those things that I thought were gained to me, I count them a loss, but for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, of God in Christ Jesus. So what, do you, what are you going to leave behind? What is it that, what is it that lasts? You know, I see so many people living for those things that they might have a pleasure, they might, get, they might have a good time here or a good time there, but they're sad and upset and depressed the next day. There's nothing there, right? No, no lasting uh, effect of it. I see people that, that make all kinds of money. And look, I'm not against having a good career and making money. Those things are good. I mean, we need to, we need to have people that, that can support the, getting the gospel all around the world. There's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, really, does that last forever? We've been studying in Peter. What do we know is going to happen to all that stuff? It's going to burn up, be gone, right? But what does last forever? Well, we know this. Look at verse 17. And the world passed away in the lust thereof. We know this. The world doesn't. 
Hey, this world system that you care so much about, hey, look, those things that you feel like you have to have and live for right now, those people you feel like you have to please, uh, that, those things, that, that pride, that lust of the flesh, that lust of the eyes, that pride of life, that system, what's going to happen to it? The Bible says that it's all going to pass away. The world passes away and the lust thereof. Hey, in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31, it says that the fashion of this world will pass away. Hey, some of you ladies, you think you, you're, you're up and hip with it. That, that's all going to pass away, right? He's not talking about that. But anyway, uh, but the fashion of this world, the things that we feel like we have to do in order to, to, to please ourselves and to, and to be part of this world, it all going to pass away. So what do we live for? What is it that lasts, you know? What is it that's important? And the world passes away and lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The only thing that lasts forever is doing the will of God. Amen. If I could tell you one thing, Faith, if I could tell you one thing, Hayden, Cameron, do God's will with your life. I don't know exactly what that is, but let me tell you something. You live for this world, you'll be, you'll be very disappointed. You'll have nothing to show in the end. It'll do nothing for you. It won't bring satisfaction. But the will of God, he that doeth the will of God, abideth forever. Sometimes we want to hold on to the world so much, don't we? Y'all can get it in your hand. You got it in your hand? You have your world? You have one? Yeah, get it in your hand. That's what we want to do sometimes, don't we? We want to grasp it. We want to hold on to it. But what's the best thing? Let it go. Hey, do the will of God. All those other things don't matter. Makes me think of Matthew chapter 7. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Look at verse number 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, what does that sound like? Jesus speaking here. He says, whoever, whoever knows my word and does it. That sounds like somebody doing the will of God to me. Does it sound like that to you? Sounds like it to me. He says, I will liken him unto a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And what do we know happened? The rains came, the storms came, and what happened with that house? It stood. He says, but everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, verse 26, I shall liken him to a foolish man that built his house upon the sand. And the storm came. We know the story, right? The, the rains came, the winds came, and what happened to that house? as the child song went splat, right? <laughs> All those things you think you're living for, what do they build upon? Are they built upon the Word of God and doing His will. That's what matters. That's what matters. That's what will last forever. So in conclusion here, the Christian cannot help being in the world. We're here. We're here. It should be foreign to us, right? Because it's not our home. But we can help keep the world out of us. Worldliness and the Word of God, they're incompatible. Or the will of God, they're incompatible. We can't do them both. So here's the question. All right. Look at me, seniors. Here's my question to you. Are you going to live for that which passeth away? The world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all those things. Are you, are you living to please people, to please yourself? Are you living for pride? Or are you living for that which abideth? forever. Are you wanting to do the will of God with your life? Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Musicians are coming. What are you living for? Are you living for that which lasts forever? Dear Heavenly Father God, pray that you help us with this. Uh, Lord, I know that you've talked, uh, spoke to my heart about it. Uh, God, I don't want to be 
uh, allowing this world to take away my joy. Lord, I want this world to take away my usefulness. Uh, Lord, my desire to do your will. Lord, how easy it can creep in. Uh, Lord, how we can just sort of let our guard down sometimes, Lord, and just start drifting away. Lord, we start watching too much TV or being on Facebook too much. and Lord, not, not, not spending time in your word anymore. Uh, God, we'd rather be doing other things than be at church, listening to your word, being in Sunday school. God, we, we, we stop growing and the world gets in. And Lord, we stop doing your will. Lord, would you help us with this?